I'm going to read this morning from the Christmas story um, according to John. So if you want to turn to John 1, you can follow with me on some of this. I'm going to also make a reference to 2 Corinthians 4, and then we'll finish in Isaiah 62. So I just wanted to bring this to your spirit, to your heart today. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, and of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. That declaration that Jesus has made of the Father is the expression of the Father. You you look at Jesus, you are looking at the Father. You are seeing God in all that God is. I think this is a beautiful chapter as it explains the entrance of God's Son, Jesus, into this world. For it denotes how unique Jesus actually is. That he is eternally existent as God. He is the second person, as we like to say, of the Trinity. Not as though one is above another. And not as though there are three. There is one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I want to just draw your attention to that phrase this morning. The word became flesh. And I think it's important that we realize that the word became flesh. God took on the form of a man. Never for one moment ceasing to be God. But he was fully human. And he became one of us. In order to fulfill all righteousness because we broke all righteousness. We disobeyed the commands of God. Jesus fulfilled the commands of God. Jesus even said the greatest commandment of all. Is that we would love the Lord our God with all of our heart, heart, soul and mind. None of us have done that. And even as a believer, as a Christian in here this morning. You still have not done that. But I thank God that Jesus has done that for us. 
And that in the new birth that we have in Christ and according to the new covenant, we have received new hearts. And these hearts are filled with the Spirit of God who fills us with love. And so even the very ability to love God back comes from God himself. And that is very precious to us. But I think it's significant that we understand that the word became flesh. And John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, finds it very important to use this designation of phrases and words. I'm reminded when I hear that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, I'm reminded of the condition that the world was in according to Genesis 1 in the beginning of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The earth had no meaning to it. The earth had no substance to it, if you will. It was empty, and it was void, and it was meaningless. Perhaps like our lives before we met Jesus. And before we meet Jesus, we're trying to make something of our life, trying to attain to happiness or pleasures. Trying to gain something, trying to make a reputation for ourselves, trying to get through this life with some comfortability and some notoriety if we possibly can. But the real peace of life and the real blessing of life and the thing that makes sense of life is when God speaks into your life. When God brings something of purpose out of the emptiness, when God gives meaning to what looks like chaos... And only God can do that. And as I've shared with you as a church, there was something very important that happened in the book of Genesis when God was about to speak. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. The Spirit of God began to move upon that creation. And when the Spirit of God was moving, then God spoke. And what God spoke, it happened. God created everything out of nothing. He created it by speaking it. And when God spoke light, there was light. And by the power of his word, he spoke this universe into existence. He spoke these heavens and these heavenly bodies and these quasars and galaxies and black holes and planets and the billions and billions, innumerable amounts of, of things that we see in our universe. And he spoke the detail of atoms and molecules and life into being. God did all of that by speaking. God's word is so powerful and this word became flesh and actually dwelt among us. There has to be a significance to that. And the Bible lets us know the significance of that. There is a story that God is telling us in Genesis 1 when he says that the earth was without form and void, there was emptiness and meaninglessness in, in the beginning of that creation until God began to speak into it. There's a story in that. There's a reason God did it that way. There's a reason God says in John 1 that, that the word became flesh. And that is because we are desperate for God to speak into our life. We, we are desperate for the word of God. Not so much for a message. Some of you guys have been around church all of your life. You have been in church services all of your life. Most of the time, some of us, we may not choose to go because we feel like we know it all and we've heard all of that. It's not another message that we need. 
What we need is for God to speak his word into our life. When God speaks into our life, there are powerful transformational things that begin to happen to us. Just as when there was nothing and suddenly there was light because God said it. If, if you would allow the Holy Spirit to move, if you would invite him, move on me. God would speak into your life and God would create things in your life that are not there right now. And the things that God would create in your life would be things that are conducive for life and living and joy and blessings. That's why so many people that have met Jesus Christ have the opportunity to go back to a life without Jesus. People that have fallen in love with Jesus don't have to go to church. They don't have to go to church to go to heaven. They don't have to say their prayers. They don't have to give offerings. They don't have to do all of this Christian stuff. But do you understand? It's not Christian stuff they're excited about. It is God that they're excited about. It was the emptiness of their life before Jesus and the fullness of their life after Jesus. They could go back to their life without Jesus. They could go back to all of the things they had, whether it was the drinking and the sex and the, the, the seeking after fortune and fame. They could go back to all of that. But why do that when you have found everything your soul has longed for? There's no shackles on them. There's no ball and chains. There's no threat of God standing over them. If you do, no, God will allow them. But they don't because they've fallen in love with Jesus. And Jesus has spoken into their life and now there is no more darkness. And now there's no more emptiness. And now for the first time my life makes sense. And it may be hard and it may be trying and there may be things I face that I don't understand. But why would I go back to a time when it was just a wreck? Just a wreck. And now there's no more fear. And there's no more trouble because of the place that God holds in our life. My reference is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Because Paul also moves upon this. And he says in verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. That is a direct reference to creation. Paul is tying this, this appearing of Jesus and the light coming into the darkness he is tying that back to the direct reference to Genesis 1. When God spoke light into the darkness, he commanded the light to shine out of darkness. He has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what God did. You can go to church all you want. You can listen to preaching all you want. You can read your Bible all you want. You can do all of these religious things all you want. But you must understand until God speaks light into the darkness of your heart, there is someone far more powerful than you that is blinding your understanding. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, that the God of this world has blinded their minds minds so they don't believe and not one of us as humans have the power to overcome satan and the blindness that he causes to our minds to not be able to see the truth of god but praise god 
The same God who was able to command light in the darkness of Genesis chapter 1 is the same God who can command light to come into your heart so you see. And you're free from Satan. And he no longer has authority or power over your life because there's freedom for you. So the word became flesh and dwelt among us because we all sat in darkness. And that word spoke. And when that word, Jesus Christ, spoke, he did not speak condemnation. And he did not speak judgment. But when the word who became flesh came into the world, he spoke grace. Grace. He brought something that the law and prophets did not bring. He gave us something that Moses could not give us. He gave us liberty and life and forgiveness. That's what he speaks to us. And his word is as powerful now as it was then. To pierce the darkness of our life. Or any of the troubles that we might appear to have in our life. I want to go to Isaiah 62. And I want to read about the coming of Jesus from this great prophet. In Isaiah 62, I would like to begin with just a few verses of scripture. The first is found in verse 2. And the Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name. I want you to remember this. You shall be called by a new name. Which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Isaiah is telling us. That God. Is going to speak something. Over you. This God. Who can speak into existence. Anything out of nothing desires to speak a new name over you. The word became flesh, dwelt among us. He wants to speak to you. You shall be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken. Neither shall your land any more be termed desolate. But you shall be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah. For the Lord delights in you. I would love for you to underscore the Lord delights in you. And your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. That, that's amazing, incredible to have God that excited about me or about you. And if you would allow, if you would go down to verse 12, and they shall call them the holy people. The redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out. A city not forsaken. 
I understand that as Isaiah is prophesying, I just want to lay this very clear foundation. I understand that as Isaiah is prophesying, he is making a reference to Israel, to Jerusalem, and the land of the Jews, to whom we give honor and respect, for they are God's people. They are in a relationship with God through the covenants. And God has a purpose and a plan And God is going to restore Israel and God is going to save that nation, though they are practically lost today. God is going to save them. They're going to look upon Jesus Christ, whom they've crucified, and they're going to believe in him. And that nation will turn to God. And that, that day is going to be a glorious day. But God had intended for his Messiah and his gospel to go forth from the Jews to the nations of the Gentiles. God had desired not only for the Jews to be blessed with his presence, but God desired that the Jews would carry this blessing into the nation of the Gentiles and to all men, that all would be able to know Jesus Christ, the Messiah, because all were dead in their sins and in their trespasses, and God loved us all. Praise the Lord. In John chapter 3, it doesn't say, for God so loved Israel that he gave his only begotten son. Thank God it doesn't say, for God so loved Jerusalem that he gave his only begotten son. I'm very thankful that it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's no race that's left out. There's no language that's left out. There's no tribe or tongue or people that is left out. In the, in the heart and the eyes of God, as it is in the eyes of God's people, that there is a love for humanity who has been made in the image of God and the Lord left no one out when he came to bring redemption and salvation into the earth. That, that means whoever will can come to him. Whoever will, even as you sit there right now, you could just even begin to pray, Holy Spirit, move on my life. Move on my life so that God, when you speak today, you can create things in my life that are not there. Whether it's peace or light or strength or wisdom or power or health or healing in your life. If you would allow the word to speak to you today. Because we are, the only, we, we are that part of creation that can reject the word of God. Didn't we read that in John chapter 1? He came to his own and his own received him not. He came into the world that he created and the world didn't even recognize him. That means that we as humans can reject God's word for us. We can brush it aside. We can have a heart that's hardened and it just kind of ricochets off of our hearts and it won't have an effect upon us. But oh, how God has proven his love to us time and time again to be good to us and to bring us salvation. And so I just simply say to you, as you're sitting there this morning, just allow your heart to be open to God. Just allow the Holy Spirit to move upon you and God to speak into your life and watch the good things that God will do. Because in Isaiah 62, it says very clearly that the mouth of the Lord is going to name you. That, that when you look up that definition in the Hebrew, this is absolutely beautiful. This, what, what God is going to do, now listen to me, what God is going to do, he's going to speak from his own mouth. And when God speaks from his own mouth to you, the, the word there in the Hebrew is he's going to perforate you. He's going to penetrate you. He's going to get inside of you. He's not just going to give you a new name. Like perhaps a woman when she's being married takes the name of her husband 
And she still understands, I come from this family, and now these two families have merged together. No, God is going to speak into your life. He's going to speak to you. He's going to give you a new name. He's going to perforate you. He's going to penetrate you when you do it, and it's going to be so incredibly powerful that you will not be the same person anymore. You're going to become somebody absolutely new, a new, you're not going to have the past. You're you're not going to, you're not going to have the shame anymore. You're not going to have the regret anymore. You're not going to have these offenses and these mistakes that you've made and these horrible things that, that maybe you're known for, maybe that has been destructive in your life or in your family or among children or whatever. It's, it's all going to be over when God speaks your new name into you. Because it's going to penetrate and go inside of you. Just look at this, if you will, in Hebrew, Isaiah 61. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings. That's what he's going to speak to you. God is going to, what God wants to speak into your life is something good. Good news into your life. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That's what he's going to speak, a healed heart. To proclaim, to speak liberty to the captives. When God speaks liberty, you can't help but be free. I don't care how long it's taken you to get into bondage. All it takes is for the word of God to speak liberty in your life and you will be set free. The opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim, to speak the acceptable year of the Lord. He says that God is going to comfort all that mourn. He's going to appoint to them that mourn in Zion. He's going to give them beauty for ashes. That's what God wants to speak. He wants to speak beauty into your life. If you just would ask the Holy Spirit to move upon you, to just come visit you where you are, God would speak beauty into your life. He will, he will speak or give the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness. You will be called righteousness. In verse 6, you will be named the priest of the Lord. That's part of the name he's going to give you. The priest of the Lord. Men will call you the ministers of our God. That's what they're going to call Y'all look at me, it's just a little baby playing. It's all right. Y'all seen that before. God is going to, people are going to call you the ministers of the Lord. All right? That's that's going to be what you become. And then he says this in verse 9. All that see them will acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments. As a bride adorns herself with her jewels. God is going to adorn me with beauty. And he's going to do all of that with the word of his mouth. Let me say it to you this way. We talk. We understand language. We understand that. We understand conversation. But but when this is saying that the mouth of the Lord is going to give you a name, this isn't conversation. It's not God having a conversation with you. Hey, would you like to be a better you? Would you like to be a new you? 
Would you like me to help you, you know, kind of straighten your... No, that's not what God's... He's not having a conversation with you. God is not just speaking suggestive words to us or to benefit us or to the same God who spoke light into the darkness is this God who's going to open his mouth and a word's going to come out and it's going to name you. And when that word of God comes out of his mouth to you who by faith are expecting that word, then it is going to penetrate into your very being and everything about you is going to change. When, when the word speaks, when the word speaks, as long as he's there, he's okay. I don't, I don't think he's going to hurt me. I'm all right. <laughs> Look, I've been with Darren in Mexico. We had kids on the stage with us. Yeah, so listen, when the word speaks, the sinner can't resist the power of becoming a saint. When the word speaks, the grave has to empty itself of Lazarus. When the word speaks, Jairus' daughter has to rise. When the word speaks, the depressed take on joy. We don't figure out how can I be happy. But when the word speaks to the depressed, there is joy. When the word speaks, Paul and Gert, when the word speaks to the brokenhearted, there's healing. We don't understand it. But the word spoke to them as they lost their sister and his wife this past week. And in church worshiping God today, when Jesus, the word speaks, who came flesh and dwelt among us the water had no choice but to turn into wine and when the word speaks into your life it is going to bring power into your life to transform and to transfix you I I pray that you would open your heart up to allow God to do that in your life for God to move. Now listen, what God speaks into your life, and I'll just say this very quickly. When God speaks to you a new name, that new name has to be worthy of the status that you're moving into. You are going to now be a priest of the Lord and a minister unto our God. The name that God is going to pierce you through with that is going to mark you and distinguish you, is going to be so rich in your life that people are are to look upon your life and, and conclude you are blessed of the Lord. You are a woman of God. You are a man of God. Isn't that, isn't that amazing that, that even people who fight so hard to have a relationship with God understand God's people? Because they don't want to be around them. They're different. They're just, you're not my kind of people. You know, and so there, there is, it's not that the people of God are trying to separate from them, but there's just this separation like there is between light and darkness, that separation. But they know and they understand that there's something unique and special with you and God. And this name that's going to be given to you is a name where nobody is ever going to say again that you're forsaken. As a matter of fact, you're going to be recognized as somebody who was sought out. That this, this, please don't take this the wrong way because he did it for every one of you. But God came into this world to look for me. 
He sought me. He looked for me. And when he found me, he took me to himself. I am no longer forsaken. I will never be forsaken. The Lord delights in me. Now, now don't, don't think I mean that arrogantly because he delights in you. You just, many of you know that he does. Some of you may not, but he wants you to know that. I read something this year. It was, it was powerful to me. It was a person's testimony of their Christmas and how their Christmas has changed. And I want to read it to you. To me, it was powerful. It's a, it's a testimony of a young lady whose father was a pastor. And she begins her story in regards to the fact that her father, who is a pastor, was under investigation. That he had believed to be caught in his addiction. And so the horror that fell upon the family, you could only imagine. The pastor, while he was undergoing investigation, was asked by the church not to attend until their investigations were completed. So the pastor and his wife informed their older daughter that we won't be going to church this Christmas. We won't be going to the Christmas Eve service. We've been asked to stay home. And her attitude was that they told you, not me. And so as it was in her heart, because this was her tradition and Christmas was her favorite time of the year, she decided that she was going to go to church. She was going to go to her church, even though she says that something inside of me kind of believed that the accusations were true about my dad. I resolved to go by myself. And these are her words, under the weight of uncertainty and the fear of what I had suspected might just be a true accusation. I showed up to the candlelight service. Families were there to celebrate. It was Christmas after all. I found my usual spot at the front. And as the carols rang out, my tears began to fall. I could not compose myself, though I tried. It wasn't tears of joy and it wasn't tears of acceptance or even tears of hope. In my own church, I felt like an imposter. I was a cloud of grief and darkness amidst a cheerful celebration. I felt so guilty for dampening the time of everyone's rejoicing. Because I was there. Nobody was having fun. I sat there and I found myself. Not long into this service. Talking to Jesus. I didn't really know what to say to him. I have pleaded and asked for help and mercy. But in this moment in the service. I just bowed my head and I said to Jesus. I'm ruining your party. It was his response to me that changed Christmas forever. For this is what he told me. Cassie, I came to that manger as a baby. Not for those that were in celebration. 
but for those that were in mourning, for sinners that had been caught, for the condemned that had no hope. I came for you, Cassie, in this moment, right here, right now. She says, for the first time in my relatively easy life, I was experiencing heartache, and oh, if I only knew how much worse it would, co- it would become. But it was there that Jesus showed me the heart of Christmas, for he showed me his heart. Jesus stepped down to pursue the broken and the hurting and the lost. He didn't come to climb upon a throne. He came to climb into the dirt with those that had no hope. If this year has broken you down, left you grieving, fearful, or hurt, I want you to know that you do not have to muster up cheer. He came for the brokenhearted. You don't have to feel like you're a downer in the midst of everybody's celebration. You could sit at the feet of the Savior who came for you right where you are right now. And you can hear Emmanuel speak to you. Those that sat in darkness have seen a great light. And he will give you light. Isaiah said it this way in His prophecy, those who walk in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in spaces of deepest darkness, the light has dawned. He came for them. He came for you. Just like Mark Williams was sharing today. That you you may be here this morning and you're hiding your real hurt. And you look okay on the outside. Hopefully good enough that not even the people closest to you can hear the cries of your heart or that you're angry and you're upset and you're hurting and you hide that deep inside. But Jesus sees it and he's come right up to you, right into your face today. That's why you're at this church this day, this moment. This is what he wanted you to hear. And he wants to bore you through with a word that will change your mourning into joy and your brokenness into healing and your fear into peace. That's what he wants to do for you. That's what he can do for you. That's what he has done for so many. The light shined in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. And then one day for those of us who have believed in the baby who was crucified on a cross and rose again the third day and ascended into heaven. For those of us, we will forever be, as Isaiah says, a jewel in the hand of God. He's actually going to take this jewel and he's going to hold it up and he's going to say, look at that, look at that, look at that, look at it. They were dead. They were dead in their sins and their iniquities and they were separated from and they have no, but I, I saved them. I said to the praise of the glory of my grace, wherein I have made them acceptable in my sight. Not only acceptable, look at them, look what I did. 
They're, they're like this royal diadem in the crown of God. And I can tell you, I can tell you this. There is nothing that I would so pursue in this world that would keep me from that moment in heaven where Jesus dressed like a groom and his church dressed like a bride, robed in his righteousness and to watch the eternal God jump up and down with absolute delight, twirling and rejoicing like David did before the ark as it was being brought into Jerusalem and Jesus with joy presenting us before his father. There's nothing in this world that's worth missing that. Nothing. It's nothing like watching the glory of Jesus and the glory of his work and the glory of his grace presenting us as his treasures, the treasures of his work, not our work, not what we did. Nobody's going to be standing up there, look what I did, but what he did for us. I want to close with this and the instruments can come up. My desire, my prayer is that you would allow this God who became flesh, the word, speak to you today. I I pray that because you can go sit in a thousand more sermons and thousand more conferences and a thousand more retreats. And as you've already probably come to experience, it wears off and it doesn't last. You hoped it would. You felt good for a few days. You were sincere about walking with Jesus for a couple of weeks. But if you would let the word bore you through, you would never be the same again. Stand with me. Listen to this, please. A baby was born. A son was given. God came and saved us from our sins. Bleeding and dying that we might neither bleed nor die. Descending that we might ascend. Wrapping himself in swaddling clothes that we might be wrapped in righteousness, not our own. He entered into our suffering to give us a future without suffering. He entered into our suffering, became a part of it, so we could live in a world where there is no sorrow, no pain, no death, no tears. He entered into our hell so we could enter into his heaven. He faced our enemy so we can face his father. He bore our sorrows so we can bear his joy. He was wounded so we could be healed. He died so we never would. How incomparably beautiful is Jesus, lover of my soul. have no one else but him he's far more than enough for me I would give a thousand worlds to behold Jesus we are happy when God blesses us but not as happy as the God who blesses us we are so glad when we're pardoned 
But he that pardons us is gladder still. The prodigal going back home was very happy, but not as happy as the father who could say, this my son who was dead is now alive and who was lost is now found. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. You receive your king. Please receive your king. Let him speak. Let him speak. If you could give him anything for Christmas, any gift for the one we celebrate his birth, if you could give him anything for Christmas, just give him the permission. Speak to me. And you will be to the praise of the glory of his grace. And he will heal you and make you beautiful. I want you to pray with me if you're here this morning and you would desire for Jesus to make you new. Just pray with me. Father, I humble myself before you this morning and I don't understand it all, but the Bible does say that you spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. By your word, you created everything that is. I've tried. Sometimes I feel like I've made a few positive steps, but it doesn't go far. So I I surrender to you. Jesus and I ask you speak to me speak your word into my life make me new you're the one that is anointed to preach the gospel to bind up the broken hearted to give freedom to the prisoners to give hope to turn mourning and depression and despair into to joy to dancing and to singing millions of people say that you've done it for them do it for me speak over me make me yours I turn to you I turn from the things I've been trying and I turn to you and I ask you Jesus to come into my heart and save me